Well, hello, everybody. Good morning and welcome. My name is Wayne. I'm the pastor here at Downtown Community, and today I am away. Uh, my wife and I are celebrating 15 years of marriage this weekend, and so I am joining you via video pre-recording today's conversation and so today's a great conversation for you to be jumping in with us. Last week, we started a new series called Realign. And what we're looking at is, uh, you know, there's times in our lives where we just kind of need a new alignment to realign priorities and purposes in our lives. And coming out of the last couple of years, this is a really good time to begin to engage that conversation. And anytime you need to realign something, what you need is a template. You need something that says, hey, this is the way that it's supposed to be. And you lay that out and then you measure or you line up things that are currently in place and you figure out what is off. And some of the, the best way to do that is to look at how it's supposed to be. So that's what we're doing in this series. We're looking at how God, who God made you to be and the purposes that he's created you for. And these are foundations that we stand upon as a church family and as individuals. And so last week we, we started with the foundation of everybody has been called. God has called every single one of us to something incredible. And so we have calling and we have purpose. And both of those go together. It means that you have value. It means that there's hope and that God is using all things. It's not just about a career or your next step because those things change. God's pursuit of you doesn't change. And so that was our foundation. And so then for the next five Sundays, we're going to look at five different callings, purposes, for you. And if you learn to engage these, you will experience great purpose for your life. Basically, we're answering two major questions. Why am I alive? And what am I supposed to do with my life? Those are realigning questions. So today, as we engage to understand your life's purpose and calling, we must begin with God's nature, who he is. This is, everything comes out of this. And so because God created you, he knows who you are, what, what is the best thing for you, all those different things. Because he created you, it all starts with him. And so let's go with one of the most basic things about God is that God is love. It's in his nature. It's, it's in his essence. God is love. Any kind of uh, experience of love or notion that we should love one another, that all comes from him. That, in any kind of notion of love that in our world comes from this Judeo-Christian ethic that God is love. And everything was created as an object of his love. And the only reason there is love in the universe is because of him, that it all came from him. Look at this scripture passage out of Ephesians. It says this, Long ago, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this gave him great pleasure. Before all of this came into existence, God loved us. Us. 
You were planned for God's pleasure. The reason you are alive is that God wanted to love you. And, and he's the most incredible thing that we could pursue. The greatest love you've ever experienced is just a shadow of the kind of love that God wants to engage us with. And so today, our first purpose is to understand that my friend, and we're going to say, say all these things from the, from the first person perspective, from your perspective, so you can write these down. But my, the first purpose of my life is to be loved by God. It's to be loved by God. The very first thing, the first thing that you and I do, it's not the only thing, but the first thing. And this is key. It's not to serve him, to obey him, to trust or do something for him. The first thing we do before we get into anything like that is to let God love you. To let God love you. Just let that sink in a little bit. We don't hear this enough. First duty that we, for us is not to do anything. To learn or to listen or to pray or to give or whatever it may be. It's just to be loved by God. To let him love you. I want to look at this opening statement from what we call the book of Jude in the New Testament scriptures. And it's really a writing, a letter from Jude. And so we've called it a book. It's funny that we call it a book because it's only 25 verses. If you want to state out loud that I've read a book of the Bible, go to Jude because it's just 25 verses, easy to read. So it's short. It's amazing. Listen to this, his opening statement that, that he makes. He says, this letter is from Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. And he says, I am writing to all who are called, there's that word, to live in the love of God the Father and in the care of Jesus Christ. Now, I love this opening statement because he could have easily been a name dropper and so he says, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. That's a significant statement. And then he says, I'm the brother of James. Well, guess who James is the brother of? Jesus. <laughs> Jude, Jude was the half-brother of Jesus because Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. And so they shared the same mom. And if you know, you know in Christianity, we, we, one of our core beliefs is that Jesus, Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. Conceived by the Holy Spirit, meaning that he didn't come from man, he came from God. But Mary and Joseph eventually went on to conceive other children in the way that we know how to conceive. And they had many children, and so he had, he had family. And can you imagine being a sibling of Jesus growing up with him? Like, it's just really important that we kind of take this in for just a quick second. Like, like, you're always, like, he's always doing everything right. Like, he, we believe he lived a perfect life. And so, like, how annoying is that for to be a, a brother or, you know, sister of Jesus and being like, yeah, well, he's, he's always Mr. Perfect, right? How annoyed would you be? You would probably resent him for all these different types of things. And life would have been very different. We know that from a couple, <clears throat> excuse me, interactions that we see. Is that, is that you know, so they would have been annoyed. 
In fact, his, his siblings didn't believe in Jesus as the Son of God in, until after his resurrection. So they watch him die. And they see this event happen. It wasn't until the resurrection. So how, how critical is this for his half-brother then to come out with his life and say, I am a servant of Jesus. For those of you who have siblings, can you imagine <laughs> saying that? About your sibling, it, it speaks to how they <clears throat> saw, became to believe and know that he, this is, was the son of God. It's incredible. And then he says, called. What are you called to do? To live in the love of God the Father. It's amazing. Your first calling is to enjoy a relationship with God. That's something you can write down. My first calling is to enjoy a relationship with God. We don't talk about this enough. It's not about a role or responsibility or a rule to follow or a regulation or a ritual. For many of us, that's how we view how we, how we are supposed to interact with God. No, he's called us to a relationship Romans 1.7 says, Dear friends in Rome, God loves you dearly and he has called you to be his very own people. And so that he's called you, he's created you to, to be in a relationship as his son or daughter. To be a daughter of God, to be part of his family. This is incredible. One of the most amazing truths. The creator of the universe. He's called you into a family to love. And he wants you to be in this family. We got to understand and know that. 1 John 3, 1 says this. What an incredible quality of love the Father has shown to us that we should be named and called and counted the children of God. And so we are. You see how this is being stated over and over again? They understood this. Those who were around Jesus and his teaching were trying to help us see that we are his, his children. This is your number one calling in life, to be a daughter or a son of God. Why would he do this? Why would God do this? To express his love to you, for you and I had experienced how incredible this love is. His love is extravagant. It's lavish. It's beyond comprehension. I always love to try to picture you, that, you know, for you to have a picture of someone who has been lavish in your life. Like I had a grandmother who loved to give gifts. And we used to get so excited to, to come over to her place because we knew that she had bags lined up. It's like her whole life was just spent shopping for her grandchildren. And we would come to her house and we would see these bags. And we were like, which one is mine and what do I get? And she was not the greatest in finding clothes. But usually like one in whatever, find something good. Like, and, but we loved getting gifts. And when whatever it was, and just think about how, how then extravagant and loving is God who loves us perfectly. He loves you on your bad days and on your good days. It's consistent. He will love you, never love you any more or less than he is engaging you now. 
Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. He says, I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust in him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love really is. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it is so great, you will never fully understand it. What an incredible prayer. May you experience the love of Christ. You know, this is a people who were, who were suffering. The writer of this was someone who suffered for the sake of Christ. They experienced pain. Yet listen to their experience of Christ's love. How wide? It's wide enough to be everywhere. How long? Long enough to last forever. Moses talked about uh, God's love for us. He, he's like, God exists from generation to generation. I can't, I can't imagine thinking like that as God does. How deep? It's deep enough to handle anything. No matter the pain or the hurt or the problem, he is not afraid of those things as we tend to be. He'll meet us in the depths of the worst places we could ever be. How high is his love? It's high enough to forgive. He created a way for you and I to be forgiven regardless of what we've done. God offers to forgive you and to help you be restored, renewed, all those different things. He wants you to be loved. And so that's kind of like the opening salvo of everything that I want to say today. And so I want to ask this question. How would your life change if you felt completely and unconditionally loved by God in every moment? We rarely talk about this, that he wants to love. We, it's, it's hard for us to make time for this. To rest in his love. We need to make time in our life to be loved by God. So I want to answer really this question for us. Is what changes if I stay continually aware of God's constant love for me? If we begin to really think about this, rest in this. Maybe this summer, the summer is coming believe it or not. Maybe this summer you can take time on vacation or time off to let God love you. One day a week, take an hour to do this. What changes? Let me walk through a couple of things. The first one is this. I feel accepted rather than ashamed. I feel accepted rather than ashamed. What's interesting about this, this is kind of the flip side of how we, we engage with God. Most people avoid God because they feel ashamed. Because they feel guilty or they feel judged. And maybe that came from people who claim to love God. Or it's just your own fear. Like it, it's kind of a combination of all kinds of things that have brought us to that. And so many, many times we avoid God. But when we understand that he loves us, then I feel accepted. In Romans 5.1 it says, By faith 
We have been made acceptable to God. And now, because of our Lord Jesus Christ, we live at peace with God. And this is why we worship and celebrate Christ, because of what he has done. He's made a way for us to go to God, because Jesus took our punishment instead of what we deserved. And because of that, through his resurrection, we have been made right with God if we trust in him. And when this really sinks in, and this is something you should pursue, because when it really sinks in, it sets you free from the approval addiction. We live for the approval of others, and it just, it just brings us up and down. That's something that I, I, I want to do. It makes me always worried about being accepted by others. When God's love is seeping deep into your heart, it sets you free from that. That's peace that comes with that. Criticism doesn't bother you as much then. If the creator of the world is like, yeah, you were okay in me. So we feel accepted rather than ashamed. The second thing is this. Is I'm bold. I'm bold in bringing my needs to God. I'm bold in coming to him. Like, he, he's, he's freed you up to go to him. You're, you're his, his son or his daughter, right? So you go to your daddy just like you would. With President Lincoln, there's this, these crazy stories of his, his children. Like, his son, Tad, could barge in to, in to wherever he was at any time he wanted to, in any meeting, and he would. His, son, and his, his children were known for kind of being crazy in the White House or wherever it was when Lincoln was around. I, I should know my history off the top of my head better than that. But anyway, it's It's fascinating. His young son had complete access, and he'd just welcome him in. So the president, I mean, I, I love that. Romans 8 says this, says, All who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you should not be like cowering, fearful slaves. You should behave instead like God's very own children, adopted into his family, calling him Father, dear Father. That translation... It literally means daddy, daddy, daddy. And since, he goes on to say, and since we are his children, we will share his treasures. Everything that he has for everything God gives to his son Christ is ours too. Isn't that incredible? We have access to God the Father. I, my wife and I knew someone in, several years ago who had a close connection to Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin, the lead singer of Coldplay, whenever Coldplay would come into town and play over at MetLife Stadium, they would call them up and they would be able to go backstage. And fans who would clamor and pay thousands upon thousands of dollars to get that experience, they were just invited. They'd go backstage and they could just, they, they would be themselves. They knew them. They were invited in. They had total access. No fee. Come in. No, that's just our human glorification of others. Can you, the God of this universe says, you can come in and come to me. Hebrews 4.16 encourages us, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I can go to God. It's a relationship. That's what prayer really is is to just go to him and talk, to share how you feel, bring your burdens to him. And that leads us to the third thing, that being loved by God, and this is so key, especially in the world that we're living in right now, 
is I have peace in pain I don't understand. I think it's one thing to have a painful circumstance that you can get your head around. But pain that is unexplainable is devastating for us. In times of unexplainable hurt and grief, you and I, we can have, have the peace that passes understanding. That's what the scriptures say. And I want you to know you're going to go through life and a lot of things in life that you're not going to understand. You're going to have losses, hurts, rejection, and problems you do not understand. Just this week, there were events in our country in Texas where we feel like, we feel like, just honestly the last couple of weeks, where we feel like waves of evil are hitting our country. These shootings that rock us to the core, we don't understand. As a father, as a father of children, it, 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 it breaks my heart to be in tears for these families who've lost their children. It's in these very moments that we, we need God. We need that kind of love that can, that can come in and be with us. If God doesn't exist, then we're, we're really absolutely hopeless. Because in these moments, that's, that's all that there is for us in life. But we know, we know, we know that that isn't the case at all. In these moments, right, we cry out for justice. We long for a world that can be set right. We want peace, right? We want things to be, to be back. Our hearts grieve. And only God can do this. In these in, in moments of pain, we, we begin to see and understand that we are limited. We cannot do this. We need God. And that's why we, we love to have... A God, we need a God of justice and mercy who has the ability to set things right. And that's why Jesus gives us incredible hope, why his love gives us great hope. God promised that he will one day fully set things right, but he's already started that process. We have hope right now. He's begun this work, he stepped into our mess. We started with Abraham long ago. He began to wade into our mess. And then when Jesus came, he, when he was crucified, it was the ultimate statement of death. Having no victory over us anymore it was the ultimate victory over death. His resurrection shows that he has power over, the de over death even. And so even in death, we are not fully without hope. And God promises one day that he will fully step in and end this reign of sin and death. It's why we can go to him now and pray for justice. It's why we can go to him now and pray for peace. And we don't fully understand. I don't. I can't determine his timeline and his reasonings. But I know that our pain is a reminder that we do need him. And Jesus' resurrection gives us a hope that is unshakable. 
All these scripture verses are being are written by those who were in intense pain and death, greater than what we've been experiencing the last couple of weeks. And yet they had this unshakable hope. That's that peace. Paul wrote about this in Philippians. Philippians 4, 7 says, The peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. There was a person in my life, her name was Madeline. She was the, the mom of a good friend of mine who I grew up with, and, and she, we both attended church together. She, we, we graduated together, and, and her mom had um, a, like a debilitating illness. Actually, multiple things that would just would ravage her throughout her life. And, and at times, she could barely move. She would be in so much pain. She would, she would find herself in the hospital many times over many different reasons. And she was, she was sick a lot. It was hard for her just to exist and to live. And, 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 and you don't know, know what I, about Madeline. She was also one of the most joyful people that I've ever known. He would say, well, how in the world, <laughs> how in the world could that be? She was loved by her Heavenly Father. And she loved God. That's all she would talk about. is His incredible grace and His beauty. And the love of Christ radiated through her. It was the hope in which she lived. Last year, Madeline passed away, and I just remember thinking about the joy that she had. That's what Paul is talking about. I have peace and pain. I don't understand. Many of you are experiencing pain in your own lives, outside of what's even going on in the world. You may have actual physical pain. It could be emotional, things people have done to you or just things that are happening around you. And I want you to know that you have a God that wants to engage you and you can go to Him. He wants to be a strength for you. And our world needs us to step forward and not be afraid to love because we have a God who wasn't afraid to step in and love us even in the hardest and worst of things. And we know that as we love others in this way, He will give us strength to love. But we can't do that unless we experience His love. It's what you are made to do. So we want to take time to let Him love us. All right, two more quick things. That when we begin to experience God's love, and it does in our lives, not only does it give us help and pain, but also the fourth thing is this, is I gain the courage to take risk. I gain the courage to take risk. Risk. Have you ever had somebody get behind you like a great teacher? There's someone says, you can do this. Do you ever have that, that person in your life? When someone believes in you, you can accomplish incredible things. Incredible things. 1 John 4.18 says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And, and Christ took away that punishment for us because He took it for us. We don't have to be afraid of God any longer. And we can love. We can go out and live our life well. We can be bold. He's called us to do these things. One of my favorite stories is 
of Brother Andrew. He was a, is a missionary in the world back in the Soviet era, and he used to smuggle Bibles into countries. And he would, he would take a car, stack full of Bibles with blankets over them, and just pray and hope that he would get across these borders. He would risk his life. And as far as I know, he's still living today. And God has used him to help people experience the love of God in places that was, many people would say impossible. And his, if you ever read his biography, it is such an inspiration of hope. He had incredible trust in God. He was experiencing his love. It's, an, it's just some amazing stories. And they eventually figured out those Bibles were worth a lot. People wanted it. And so they could bribe them. <laughs> they would do the craziest things and God would be with them. The craziest stuff is they would cross these borders. It gives us the courage to live boldly. And the fifth thing is this. Is I worship instead of worry. I worship instead of worry. This is the final one. What is worship? Worship is a response. You know, you're at a, at a football stadium. Someone scores. The whole place erupts. You know, you're watching the NBA Finals. And, you know, somebody does an alley-oop and this player does a massive dunk. Everybody just erupts. If you're watching at home, you're like, oh, like you just have a natural reaction to something great that's happened. When we begin to experience God's love, our response is worship. It's why we sing on Sunday. It's, it's, it's a purpose for which we are made. We love God. Because God took the initiative with us. We love because God first loved us. 1 John 4, 19. And it keeps us from worry. Because we know we're loved. Fear and worry is a response. Because we've forgotten how much God loves us. This is what Jesus' words to us were, and I'll close with this. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. He said, don't worry. Jesus said to us, do not worry, but seek first. And all these things, everything that you worry about will be given to you as where. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You have been made to be loved by God. How can you experience him? Take time to maybe read scripture, to pray, to let him love you. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for who you are and your words to us. I pray that we would know the beauty of your love for us. It leads us away from worry. It leads us away from anxiety, towards joy. It gives us strength to endure pain, to not be afraid of you, but go to you as our daddy. I pray that we would begin to know that kind of love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.